Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Well, we're continuing our series titled Raising Samuel. And uh, we've been in the book of Samuel for a while. We have a few more weeks to go. And there are some very important things to cover, yet to cover. And I want to encourage you to keep reading the book. When you read the Bible, ask the Lord to speak to you. Highlight whatever stands out to you. Highlight it, underline it. Write the thought, write on it. If you read the Bible with, with, uh, 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 with pencil and, and pen or, or highlight it, I read in the iPad, I, I make notes on the Bible and see what the Lord will say to you. God wants to speak to you and he has a lot of very important things to say to us. At this point, we see the, the building of the, prom, uh, the providence of God in, in the life of Samuel. And then there's this unique insight, even though it's very subtle, even though it's not the main point of the text, but there's this unique insight that is vitally, vitally important. This message today is one of the most important messages in the whole series. And the reason being is that when we meet God, it is his plan, it is his purpose that we pass it on. Everybody say pass it on. <laughs> Discipleship is all about passing on our faith. And passing on our faith always, should always begin in the home. The title of today's message is, when it comes to the call of God, home is always first. Everybody say, home is always first. When it comes to your faith, home is always first. When it comes to our worship, home is always first. When it comes to serving Jesus, everyone, you just say that with a little bit more conviction. Home is always first. You see, that's the way it ought to be. And the truth of the matter is, is that this is, this is slightly a negative story, but God puts the truth in the Bible. God doesn't, isn't it wonderful? When you read the Bible, you see all of it. God doesn't just make his people look perfect. He shows his faithfulness to his people while he's growing them and developing them. Amen? And this story is going to show that. And um, we are going to talk about, about a family. We're going to talk about kids. And, uh, and, and before I read the text, I, there's a couple things I want to say. One of the things that I think is important is that there is nothing automatic about raising up a godly home. And raising up godly children, there's nothing automatic about it. There's this kind of perception in some people in our culture that says, you know, we go to church because we want to expose our kids to religion. That's a good thing. 
Can I tell you something? That's not even close to enough. Okay, just because you expose them to something, the, when we talk about true faith, true faith is passed on. It has to be passed on. Somebody say amen. In other words, raising up a godly home is a deliberate, intentional, hard work, spiritual warfare, spiritual instruction, and spiritual impartation kind of thing. <laughs> Nothing is automatic. And what we do here should be an outflow of what we've done at home. So... One time a week is simply not effective and it's simply not God's way. In fact, listen to this. There's a study that says some millennials resent church because their parents were good at church but not good at life. They struggle attending a place that consumed their parents' lives but never transformed, the, yes, their parents' time but never transformed their lives. So there's a reversal going on. A lot of kids are walking away from God, okay? They're walking away from God, not because you spent too much time at the church, but because you didn't worship enough at home. So this is a big deal, guys. This is, this is real. This is true. And it doesn't matter how much God uses you on the outside how we live on the inside means a lot to God. So let's look at the, at the scripture today. And um, this is Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, and uh, it's funny, the first uh, four words are when Samuel grew old. You know, sooner or later you start getting older. <laughs> it's incredible. I was talking to someone the other day and I was like, you know, 10 years ago, I was like, oh, no, no, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, oh, snap, it was 30 years ago. Time passes. It passes. And remember to live like time passes. Remember to live that way because time passes. Kids get real big, man. They start like this and they end up like that. It's Incredible. So it says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, or Joel. The name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But, everyone say but. His sons did not follow his ways. Oh, snap. The great Samuel. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the, na the other nations have. Now stop right here for a second. You see... We are supposed to, with our lives and our families, we're supposed to lay out an example that says, there's a different option. There's a different option. There's a different king to follow. 
There's a better king than the king of politics and prosperity and money. And how many know his name is Jesus? Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Next. So it says, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And then this particular story unfolds. The gist of the story just to honor the context of this, is really more about them choosing another king. This is sort of a side note to this particular chapter, okay? But it's in the Bible for a reason. And it shows that when we don't do our part to fill places with light, the people of this world choose darkness. We have to do our part. And it begins in our homes. And so what I want to do is I want to pray, but before I pray, let me tell you a couple of things about Samuel. So when you read the story up until now, you, you, one of the questions that you ask yourself is, how is it possible that a man of such integrity, of such godliness, you know, a, a, a man who was above reproach. How is it possible that that man could have sons that don't serve the Lord? It is possible. One of the reasons that that happened was that when Samuel was a baby, he was turned over to Eli. Eli was supposed to be not just his priest, but his father. And so here's what happened. Samuel had a priest, but he didn't have a father. Samuel had a tabernacle, okay, but he didn't really have a godly home. And so the man who was supposed to play that role, we know that he didn't teach his own sons and, and, and therefore, Samuel didn't learn. He had the order mixed up. Here's the order before we pray. The order of serving God and honoring God is heart, home, and then ministry. Say that with me, ready? Heart, home, and then ministry. And ministry means any and every place that you go after you leave your house. Because everyone here, you are part of the royal priesthood. You are an ambassador for Christ Jesus. How many would say amen? We are all ministers of Christ. Somebody say amen. Come on, put your hands together and say yes. We are the called of God. Everybody say I am called. Yes, you are. Online, you are called of God. And so it's heart, home, and then ministry wherever you go. So let's pray. There's so many things, important things for us to learn. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would bless this word. Lord, I lift up not only my brothers and sisters in this room, but Lord, all of those who will be watching or are watching online right now, 
Lord, I lift up our children, our children's children. And God, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would do something so beautiful and powerful among us that our children would rise to be lights, that they would rise and take their place, fulfilling the promise that says the children of the godly will be mighty in the land, oh God. Make our children mighty in the land. But Father, as we come before your mighty throne, we know that it's not automatic. God, give us the grace. Give us the order. It starts in our hearts, and then it has to spill over to our homes, and then the ministry. Bless this word. Bless our time together. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, one of the things that I want to do is dispel a, um, a misconception that people can have. Uh, this, is, this is very theological, in a sense, in nature. And so sometimes people think that someone who is gifted and anointed in public ministry, that their home has an automatic blessing on it. Not true. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You see, there's this mysterious passage or verse in the Bible that says, the gifts and call of God are without repentance. You ever scratch your head and say, how could God use that man that way or that woman that way? And then you find out all that stuff about them. It's because of what I'm gonna ta explain to you very simply. Uh, just one, one moment about this. See, God, the Holy Spirit uses us and, and, and works in us in two ways. Can we put that slide up? Is it stuck? This is an important slide. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so look. The Holy Spirit works in us and through us in two ways so that we can serve effectively. He gives us fruit for character and he gives us gifts for service. Fruit for character, gifts for service. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of preaching, the gift of singing, the gift of administration, the, the gift of hospitality, gift of generosity. There are many gifts of the Spirit, gift of the word of wisdom. God can use people. It's a gift that he's given. If you're gifted and everyone is gifted, your gift is not really for you. It's for the body of Christ. It's for the kingdom of God. It's so that Jesus could get the glory by them saying, wow, look at how God's hand is on that person's life. But that gift is not really for your home. I mean, it, it operates everywhere, but that's not the real issue. Because there are the gifts of the Spirit, then there's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The fruit of the Spirit is about character. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. Okay, so, your home needs your character. The world really needs your gifts. The church needs your gifts. But your home needs your character. So, so if you, and, and look, inevitably, I had a, a Bible school teacher who said it all comes out in the wash. 
It all comes out in the wash. I, if, if he said, I remember sitting in class, he's talking to future ministers. He, say, he would say to us, I'm telling you right now, it all comes out in the wash. You can fake it, but you won't make it. Fake it till you make it, not in the kingdom. You see, it all comes out in the wash. And so in this particular case, I feel bad because I believe, I know that Samuel was a great man of God, but Samuel needed to learn how to be a father. And this is a big, big deal in the body of Christ. Our children need to see the character of your walk with God, and they need to experience your worship of God. They need to experience it. They need to get it. Because certain things are way more caught than taught. They gotta catch it. They gotta catch it. So one more thing I want to say, and then I want to give you three quick points about our homes today, is no parent is perfect. And if don't put the pressure on yourself to say that you have to be perfect, okay? Especially, look, when you're a new parent, it's so funny. When you have your first child, like, they're, they're going to break every two minutes. You're like panicking. Like this and that and this. By the time you get to the second and the third, they're like bouncing off the ground. And you're like, don't worry, Tommy's going to be fine. You know, bop this head. He's all good, you know. And uh, they're, they're fine. They're fine because God is good because God is faithful. How many would say amen? God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of worry. Don't worry all the time. And don't put the pressure on yourself that you have to be perfect because it's simply not true. No parent is ever perfect. Okay, there's only a perfect heavenly father, not a perfect earthly father. So, you know, you can take the pressure off, you can take the, the, the guilt off, but if you really serve God, it'll be enough. And we're gonna talk about how to how to do that today. And let me say one other thing. In light of the fact that no parent is perfect, the Bible says, honor your mother and father. I talk to you often about lessons I learned from my mom, lessons I learned from my dad. I don't tell you the, my dad's failures. I don't tell you his weaknesses. Why? Was my dad perfect? No, my dad wasn't perfect. But why would I do that? I need to honor my dad. Okay, and we, there's this thing in our culture. If you're young, please listen very closely to this. There's a thing in our culture now, and it's one of the reasons why we're all jacked up. Okay, and here's what it is. For some reason, this is one of the first generations that I've ever seen that says, when I look at my parents, I see imperfection, and because I see imperfection, I don't have to follow anything that they say. <laughs> if you're online, somebody shouted, preach it, pastor. Yes. Okay, just because your parents are, per are not perfect doesn't mean that you get to disregard everything. That's an excuse, and it's a spirit of rebellion. 
And so I wanna encourage you, look, there's a, a saying, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Parents are people too, kids are people too. We all have our weaknesses, but there are great things and we should honor our mother and father. Come on, let's put our hands together and say amen. If you don't honor your mom and dad, you're gonna miss out on a lot in life. It won't go well with you. It won't go well with you. Honor your mother and father. Hallelujah. So now, what are our fundamentally, what are our homes supposed to be like when we put God first? Okay, first of all, our homes should be little tabernacles. This is the big tabernacle, and our home should be a little tabernacle. A little tabernacle where we live out our love and our worship of God. It's not just that we go to church for 45 minutes, for an hour and seven minutes, in our case, for an hour and 25 minutes. That's not, this is is vitally necessary for the rest of the week. This is when we get together as the big family of God, but every day the little family of God should be a little tabernacle. Everybody say little tabernacle. This is a big deal that, that we understand that there should be more worship at home than there is at the church. Here's what... Um, uh, I, I've got this incredible quote about if the, what if all of the churches shut down? What if persecution came to America and every church was closed? Well, that shouldn't stop it. Listen to what a rabbi, a rabbi once commented, uh, commented to me, this is out of a book, uh, Our Father Abraham. I'm gonna talk a lot about our Jewish roots today. Um, if every synagogue were to close around the world, Judaism would survive it. Uh, it would not be destroyed. Why? Because the rabbi explained that every Jew is expected to be knowledgeable about his faith as a layperson. In other words, you don't have to be a pastor, but as a Christian, you are a disciple of Christ. A disciple of Christ is an avid follower of Jesus and his teachings. Somebody say Amen. How do, you, how do you become knowledgeable in the things of God? The same way you're knowledgeable about politics. Look at it every day. The same way you're knowledgeable about sports or knowledgeable about money or knowledgeable about anything else. Every day, how many know Jesus deserves focus and worship every single day? Somebody shout amen. Here's the key, the key to having a little tabernacle is we have one main lesson, one main lesson to teach our children, okay? And in the, in the Old Testament, in the Jewish culture, there was something called the Shema. I think that's the right way to say it. Okay, and it was recited every day. And, and here's 
Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the message. What are we supposed to teach our children? We teach our children that we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our emotions, all of our time, all of our strength, all of our money, all of our everything. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. You can teach kids the culture of religion, but you're supposed to teach them the love of God. Love for God. And that's easy. See, that doesn't take a perfect person. It doesn't take a pastor. It doesn't take a theology degree to love Jesus. How many know when you meet someone who loves Jesus, you know they love Jesus? How many say amen? And so, so this is like such a big deal. It's a big deal because it is so possible for us to love the Lord. You can worship God in your house. You can read the Bible to, to your family. Listen, no matter who you are, this message is for single people. This message is for 14-year-olds. This message is for every single person that's, that's listening. Because no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our strength and all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our everything. And we can do that. What am I saying? I'm saying if you're 14, year old, 14 years old and you're a Christian and you love God, even when you go to Chipotle with your friends, stop and say grace. Let the people know that you love Jesus. But where do you learn how to say grace? You learn how to say grace at the house. The, no matter what you're doing, are you dating? Hey guys, you're dating a girl, uh, pray with her. Start praying right now. We got to get ready now. How many would say amen? Pray with your girlfriend. No matter what we're doing, we can reveal and display our love for God. And it starts at home. And here's what I, I want to say about this particular issue. Okay, you ready? This is so important what I want to say. You ready? Just try. Just try. Try to worship God in your house. Just try. Just like open the Bible and read it. If you're like, but I don't even know. I didn't grow up in that kind of home. I didn't. Just try. You will be amazed at what happens when you open the Bible and just read it out loud. Watch how the Holy Spirit will rush in the presence of God. The Shekinah glory of God will meet you. Just try. Try to pray for your spouse. Try to pray for your kids. Try to pray with your neighbors. Just try. 
If you don't know, you're like, man, this, this whole experience is so, is so strange. Just try to sing in your house. Let the kids hear you sing. I was thinking this morning, I was on my bike this morning and I was listening. One of the things I try to do is listen to the worship songs. Uh, um, I'll check every, every Sunday morning, I check what songs we're gonna sing. And I try to listen because if we go to sing them at the end, I wanna kinda know the words a little. So I was on my bike at whatever this morning and um, I was list, I was, so I started, I brought the lyrics with me. You are alive, sorry honey. You are alive, living and breathing here in this place, speaking and healing. Your fullness and glory right here before me. You're the living God. You're the living God. Right? So listen, I was thinking about my, my brother-in-law who's a pastor in New York. I was thinking about him today. I was starting to laugh because I do this all the time and I remember my kids being like, this is unbelievable. Because I just mix up songs. So I was like, you are alive, living in breath. I, I got it. And then all of a sudden I broke into, the Lord is in this place. The Lord is, because it's a different song completely. I just mash up the songs together, mix up the words. I could hear my kids saying, dad, that's not the words. Let them hear it. Let them hear, dad, that's not the words, dad. Just try. Sing in your house. Worship, pray, just try. I put my faith in Jesus. Oh, Lord, help me to channel Pastor Christian. <laughs> my anchor to the ground, my hope, my firm foundation. He'll never let me down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go sing that in your house today. I want, I'm telling you right now, try today. Online, try today. Read the Bible today with your family. Have a time of prayer. Call everybody together in just a moment. Lift your hands in your house. Uh, lift your hands. Let men everywhere lift up holy hands. Everywhere begins at home. Just try. Somebody say, I'm gonna try. Just try, hallelujah. You'll be amazed. And what happens to your life when you just try? The Lord is in this place. See, wrong song again already. I'm telling you. It's a, I remember, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I remember experiencing the difference from believers. You see, I'm telling you right now, I experienced this firsthand. I had some great stuff in my home. But the spiritual things I learned from other men of God. I learned from other families. That's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ. There are kids all over this community. There are young married couples all over this community and they didn't learn, they weren't taught and they can come here and they can see it and feel it and say, this is real, this is genuine because they see it, they experience it from our lives. 
But it starts at home. And I want to encourage you, just try. You're going to experience the smile of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God in ways that you never have before. So that's the first thing. The second thing that uh, our homes are supposed to be, and it's, it's really not that difficult, is our homes should be places of peace. Everybody say peace. Everybody say shalom. Shalom, shalom means peace. Our homes are supposed to be these incredible places of peace. And as I was researching um, this topic, there's something called shalom bayet. Okay, shalom bayet. This is another great time for the slide to come up. Okay, and here's what it speaks to in the Jewish culture. Peace or harmony in the home. It is a key concept in Jewish marriage that encourages any practice or behavior that will promote the pursuit of the peace of God in your home. We, our homes are supposed to be places of peace. Not places of war, places of peace. Everybody say peace. That's what God wants for your home. And when you're praying and when you're worshiping, always pray for peace in your home. Listen to this. Listen to this. Compliment, praise, or thank your spouse many, many times per day. Don't contradict one another in public. That's a good one. Talk things through, but also push your powers of acceptance to the limit. Don't make an, an issue. Uh, uh, don't make an issue of every annoying little difference of character, preference, and habit. Be nice to the in-laws, but don't expect very much from them. <laughs> These are the things which may be blindingly obvious to old timers but can save the marriage of young couples starting out. Places of peace. Pray for peace. Don't give in to a spirit of war. Let's, in the name of Jesus today, let that belligerent spirit be destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Stop fighting in your house. Stop the war. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your parents are not, uh, your parents are not your enemy. Amen. We need peace. He is the prince of peace. This is a big deal. So look, here's how this worked. When I walked in, I couldn't help. Pastor Jose, could you bring your, your, uh, your lovely bride and your mom up to the platform? I couldn't, I couldn't help. I couldn't help when I walked in today. So listen, if you're watching online, you're gonna discover one of the secrets of the blessing of God upon this church, okay? So one of the big secrets, Ramona, to the blessing of God upon this church is right here. This, 
is a little mamita. <laughs> so when our church started, when Christy and I first brought our kids, there was just a handful of people, okay? Like, like not much more than this right here. She was here. He was here. Actually, she came here fast too, right? So they weren't married yet, but she was here. So here's the way it used to go. I used to come to church every Sunday, and Pastor Jose was playing the congas. I remember him, sweatshirt, T-shirt. They, they were kind of not really having services. They were just doing fellowship, but he was playing the congas. And I would come, and Ramona, who I knew was a woman of God, she would say to me, pray for my son. He's not doing good. He's doing this, he's doing that, but God's gonna get him. But God's gonna get him, but God's gonna get him. <laughs> Pastor Jose started to grow here. He started to grow here, he started to grow here. He started doing Bible study. I remember, when, you know the first thing that Pastor Jose did at this church? Pastor Jose was the, the maintenance ministry of this church. He would get to the building early and he would help clean the bathrooms. The bathrooms were so gross. It like, even after he was done, there was, no, there was like, like he did nothing because the bathrooms were gross down in that basement. Well, he tried. And then we used to have this big giant fan. And you know those, those standing fans? Of, we used to have this big giant fan. And during the week, it was like a, a homeless um, feeding ministry. So... When you would walk in there on Sunday morning, it was a fresh in a unique kind of way. And so Pastor Jose would get a can. I still see it. He would get a can of Lysol or whatever it was, and he would, it would be like, and he would take the can and just spray it right in front of the thing. And he'd walk around the whole room, and he'd be spraying the whole room. And then one day we were at a fellowship. And I knew that Pastor Jose had been reading the Bible. So I said, Pastor Jose, um, why don't you share something from the word? And Pastor Jose just saw, I said, two minutes. He opened up, he just like with authority, okay? A guy who was a real rascal. <laughs> I've been milking this illustration for years. Can I tell you something? He's <laughs> a real rascal. But he opens the Bible. Brothers, no matter where you are today, day by day, Jesus can change you. Come on, put your hands together. Day by day, Jesus can turn you into a man of God. So watch, I'll never forget. So I said, Pastor Jose, say something. Pastor Jose, he read a verse. He said, you know what the Lord showed me this morning? Ba, ba, ba. Said, this was powerful. Pray, say grace. He prayed over all of us. It was right after that. I was like, you know what? This church doesn't have a youth ministry. Pastor Jose, you need to start the youth ministry. First, you, first a youth director. And then on and on. And then he did this. And then he did that. And all along, see, you got to understand so before we came here, the last sermon that I preached at the Brooklyn Tabernacle before we moved to Chicago, when I'm at the altar, a young woman comes up to me. This lady, Darcy, she says, guess what? I'm going as well. We're move I'm moving. I'll, I'll go to your church. 
And here's what she said. She said, I'll work, I'll serve, I'll tithe. I was like, hallelujah. I just like, you know. She said, I'll tithe, I'll do whatever. And sure enough, church opens, there was Darcy. Led in worship, helped with our kids. She took our kids. You know, I love, I love Darcy. You know why? I, she took our kids to the farm. My children. Okay? Not her children. She has children now. But she took our kids to the farm. She exposed them to cows and all of that stuff. Did all kinds of things that nobody knows until, if I don't tell you, nobody knows. You see, but how many know God knows? How many know the Holy Spirit knows everything that you do for God? So this is how it works. Right here, right here. The day comes when he becomes a pastor. They've, they've been missionaries. They come back. I need to say this to you. So I think it was like two years ago, I went into the prison into Cook County with Pastor Jose. And we were walking, there's tunnels all over the place down there. And it was just me and him. And I was like, why don't we have an armed escort? Where's the bodyguards? And he's walking around there like he's like the mayor. Hey, 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 how you doing? Knock on the thing, room full of guys, knocked in, walked in, started talking. I'm like, where's the escorts? I'm like, oh, snap. Talks to this praise, anointed. It's anointed and the Lord showed me, I was like, this man is gonna do something great in this city. And today he's doing this and he's doing that and he's leading this ministry and he's leading that ministry. All of these things happen. A guy who end up, ended up getting arrested, a guy who was in trouble but had a mom at home who would call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And now, and now see, look, praying was not foreign to Jose. Praying wasn't something that she only did at the church. Praying was something that she lived. So now, you see how they are right now, now they're holding hands? Here, come on, let's do like a, like a marriage ceremony, come on. <laughs> but hold your hand like this, see, this is the way it goes. Every time we do a wedding, there's a moment in time at least when I do weddings, I like to pray alone with the couple. I turn off my mic. And here's what I pray. I always pray, Lord, the way they are right now, holding hands at this altar, may they always find themselves holding hands at the altar. And may your blessing of peace and love be upon them. Hallelujah. I now pronounce you man and wife. You make it. No, no, all right. <laughs> Come on, let's praise God for them. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Come on, let's put our hands together for this mother in Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. He's alive. He's living and breathing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the singers could get ready in a moment. You know, I've recently gotten into golf over the last couple years. So I always read about, anything I get into, I read about it. I listened to Tiger Woods' biography. It's heartbreaking. 
It's heartbreaking because Tiger Woods um, arguably might be the most talented, gifted golfer in all of history. But you know, he became exactly who his parents taught him to be. A lot of times we could get annoyed with him, but it's heartbreaking because while this kid spent a lot of time with his father, his father did all sorts of immoral things in front of him. And at a certain point, when, when he learned and realized that winning a golf championship doesn't deliver, let me tell you something, whatever you're going after, if Jesus isn't at the center of your life, whenever you get it, you still feel empty. So poor Tiger Woods, he's got everything, but he's empty. And when he's empty, all he could do is say, how did my dad deal with stress? He never heard his dad worship God. It's not, he's, a, he's not a wicked guy. He's just doing what he was taught. He never learned. And his dad didn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to love the Lord sincerely. Love the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Hallelujah. Now listen, I still, here's the last thing. Our homes, lastly, should be centers of hospitality. Everybody say hospitality. Very, very important. And this is, I'm not talking about fellowship, okay? Fellowship is good, and we should fellowship with one another, absolutely, okay? But well, when I talk about hospitality, I mean that your home should demonstrate the love of God to people, meaning that don't just get with the people that you really like, don't just be with your crew, and it's not all about you and your people. Look in the book of Leviticus of what the Bible says. He said, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as, a, as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were a foreigner in Egypt and I am the Lord your God. And you were blessed and you were free because of what Jesus has done. So open your arms to somebody, somebody who's different, somebody who you're like, oh, I don't know. Bring them into your house and feed them. Look at what it said, look at what Jesus said in the book of Matthew. He said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I, I was a stranger and you invited me in. When was I a stranger, the scriptures say? He said, when you did it for the least of these. So everybody look at me for a second. What I'm saying is you have to show your kids. We have to show all people that our hearts are wide open to them. My mom used to say from the same pot of beans that three eat, four and five can eat. How many know God will multiply those rice and beans for all of us? How many would say amen? <laughs> Lift your hands. Hallelujah. Oh God, we, wanna, we want godly homes. We want godly homes. 
Hallelujah. We want to worship you. We want to honor you. We want to love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength online. Every person in this room, every teenager, every child. God, we want to love you with everything that's inside of us. Help us to love you. Teach us how to love you and follow you, Lord, more than just on Sundays, every day, all day, oh God. That's why people watching online right now, Lord, they can lift their hands. Let them raise their voice in their house right now. God, even in the office, oh God, or even in the park, Lord Jesus, we declare our love for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's in our hearts. He wants to be in our homes. He wants to flow in our ministry. Meet us, Lord. Meet us. Blessed be your name.